All right, Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 114, and I'm Adam, Adam Chance, of the Chance of Gaming Podcast, and with me always is Richard and Roy. Hey, everybody, this is Rich. I'm Roy, and I'm the hero that we deserve. Yes, <laughs> he is. Uh, so, uh, we always start out our little show. Oh, I guess I should say, I picked up uh, several new followers, and we've got finally gotten over, like, 500 on uh, Twitter, so thank you guys. And i got a couple of dice bags I'm going to give away uh, for that. And, uh, yeah, maybe something else, so we'll talk about that more in the show. So, yeah, if you picked up my card recently a little postcard yeah i'd love to hear like where you found it because i sent it off all kinds of places and uh yeah as always it's chance of gaming at gmail.com we're also chance of gaming at twitch and uh chance of gaming at twitter and pretty much anywhere else we have a facebook page that i never do anything with except unsuccessfully run ads and uh you know there we go so let us start the podcast out with what are you playing? And Rich has been playing Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Not only have I been playing, but I finished it. Finally. We've been talking about it for a while and finally finished Legacy Season 2. So, have you guys played? I think, Roy, you were playing it. Have you or have you continued on in it or not at all? It's It's been quite a while. I think we're still probably in June. I'm not okay. for sure on that. Okay. So, and Adam, you haven't played any Pandemic Legacy, have you? No, uh, I will ask. I did see something at um, at the con, Pandemic Iberia. What What is that? That's is that- basically just a, a, a reskin of Pandemic. There's Pandemic Cthulhu, Pandemic Iberia. Each version has little it's more than just a reskin but that's basically what it is each person has little quirks and differences in the rules and unique things about it i haven't played that version i have played regular pandemic with i think all the expansions um but i haven't played any of the other versions like cthulhu or iberia or anything like that but i have played both seasons of legacy okay now i have played cthulhu pandemic yeah and that's that's played in and around uh was it innsmouth so it's just sense, basically yeah. it's a city version or, you know, like a kind of the surrounding county area. Yeah. Yeah. All of the other versions of Pandemic do have unique maps, at least. So, like I said, it's more than just a reskin, but essentially that's what it is. Are, are they all legacy games? No. Uh, the only legacy games are Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and Season 2. Um, and Pandemic Legacy Season 1... Your first game is literally just a game of Pandemic. It's the exact same game out of the box as it came out on day one. And then it changes from there. Uh, season two looks quite different. It's It starts 71 years after season one. So the board is very sparse. Um, and it's much more of an exploration game where you have to actually sort of repopulate the Earth after the terrible events from season one. So... Hmm, okay. Now, so, no, go ahead. Rich, do you, do you foresee that this, uh, you finished season two, well, season three, do you, is there room for a season three then? I mean, I, I presume there is. Yeah, it's really hard to say. Um, and obviously, my daughter and I, as we finished season two, we we're talking about it. Nothing has been announced that I've heard. Um, 
is there room for one? I'm sure they could come up with something. Really, it's going to be a matter of where do we want to go from here. Uh, and I I would play it because I enjoyed season one and season two. Um, but I haven't heard anything. Okay. Um, I liked season one a lot better than season two. Maybe not a lot better, but I liked season one better. Um, season two, we had a really good time. Uh, I don't want to give away any spoilers or anything, but it felt like too much happened at the very end of the year. So, um, whereas in season one, you kind of knew what was coming toward the middle of the year. In season two, you don't find out the end game until the very end of the year. And honestly, it just felt like there was not enough time to prepare for it. That said, we got extremely lucky and we actually did win at the very end. So, um, but it honestly, it felt like luck more than preparation and skill at that point. So, but it was a lot of fun. And, um, now my daughter and I who have been playing, well, we played season one last year and season two this year, and now we need to decide what to do next. And I think since there is no season three, uh, announced or anything, I think we're probably going to play Charterstone next as our next legacy game together. And you, uh, I see you've got a couple of RPGs on the list here. What is yeah. D&D Carthoon? Yeah, so Carthoon is actually just a setting. You can play it with, uh, I guess, probably pretty much any RPG. It's it's uh, system neutral. Um, we play D&D 5th Edition, but you could play it with Savage Worlds or uh, Cypher System or pretty much anything, I think. It's, it's a fantasy setting. You've got, you know, some goblins and... I think there are orcs in there and things like that, but it really is. There are some unique races and a huge history and backstory for the whole world. Um, the the guy that is uh, our dungeon master, um, gaming friend of mine, we play a lot of games together. He's really into this, and he has sort of absorbed the whole world, so it's great for him. Um, if you were going to just pick up the Carthoon book and try to go from there, it would be a lot of reading and background information before you really had a chance to get into it but as a player i don't need to know everything the dm handles most of that and i just i play a an illin which are uh, it's it's one of the unique races and they uh there's they're basically um there's four different versions of them spring summer autumn and winter based on when they were born and their personalities reflect that so there's a lot of really interesting setting stuff in there i like the campaign setting and um so far, we're having a good time. Honestly, it's it's D and D, and we're having a good time with it. And then we're also playing a separate group, although probably half the people that are three of us are in both groups at this point, so it's becoming more of an overlap. Um, we're also playing the Call of Cthulhu RPG. In this group, we bounce around. We play a lot of different games. This is the one where um, we play a lot of Star Wars, but right now we're playing Call of Cthulhu. So. Um, having fun. I enjoy it. The only thing I don't like about Call of Cthulhu is that you don't get much character advancement because um, it's pretty easy to go insane and die in that game. So it, we've played two sessions and a couple people have gone insane, but no one has died yet. So I think we're ahead of the curve. That said, um, when you play Call of Cthulhu, it's kind of a rule of thumb that you just go ahead and bring two characters because you're going to lose your, your first one pretty soon. So. That reminds me. I don't know if it's recently, if it recently came out, or um, I just happened to notice it. But uh, in the past couple of weeks, 
It's called Love Eterne, and it is a Call of Cthulhu set in the French Revolution. It's a supplement or, or whatever you call it. Really? Uh, yeah, set in the uh, French Revolution, and uh, I'll link it in the show notes. <clears throat> it just that that whole idea sounds really cool, and it has some pretty striking um, uh, cover art. And uh, yeah, uh, it just seems really neat to me. Written by Mark Morrison is the guy that did it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the PDF came out at the end of the last year, and now it's coming out into print. And, uh, yeah, I'll try to link it in the show notes. But, yeah, it's um, Reign of Terror um, is is uh, apparently the other name for it. Because, daggum, when I, like, look it up, I cannot seem to find the correct um, thing, uh, thing for it. But, yeah. Probably a lot of sift it. through. Just cause there's a lot of Cthulhu stuff out there, so. Yeah, it really is, and we we've talked about that on the uh, the podcast, like you know, because everybody is pretty much printing them out. But yeah, ah yes, apparently it is. You can get the PDF directly from um, Chaosium, um, Chaosism, ever how you say it, uh, for seventeen ninety five, and uh, yeah, it is a Golden Innie winner for best supplement. Yeah, it was a e- Golden Innie for twenty eighteen. So yeah, I guess it is kind of near. So I'll just... All right. Toss that up there in the show notes, and you guys can take a look at it. And I've been playing some more of My Little Scythe. Uh, my my little nine-year-old likes My Little Scythe, and she has not lost a game yet. And I'm not letting her win either, so she just she's good at it. So um, it, it plays so much faster than Scythe that you don't really have time to get your engine up and running before the game's over. But we really enjoy playing it together, so... Uh, more of my little side, and then I've been playing some more Pavlov's House as well. I've talked about that before, but that's a solitaire World War II game. takes place in Stalingrad. It's interesting because it's got three different sections of the map. You've got a, a tactical section that's just the actual building where the action is taking place. You've got a sort of operational section um, where it covers the whole city, and then you can even have... Um, you can even go past that to strategic. That's sort of the advanced game um, where you get other things happening around the city as well. But uh, it's a solitaire game. takes about, I'd say, probably about an hour to play. Um, I'm having a good time with it, but I think I'm probably going to be taking it off my table pretty soon because I've got some American Civil War stuff that I'm starting to get into. So I think I'm, for whatever reason, starting to put World War II stuff away and get into American Civil War a little bit. You know, that that is... Well, okay, I will, first of all, I'll say My Little Scythe lasted two days in my uh, local store before somebody snatched it up. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I can never really get into American Revolution for, for whatever. There is so much out there. There's a lot of board games for it. There are miniature games. There's some fantastic uh, miniature lines and rule sets and for it. Just can't ever seem to get into it. I don't well, this know why. Is... This is American Civil War, not Revolution. Oh, so a li- little bit of a difference. Um, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you did. No, that's fine, though, because I, I think one of the interesting things about American Civil War is it's sort of like – it goes a little further, but it's sort of like the end of the Napoleonic era. So you're seeing the height of Napoleonic tactics and haven't quite – I obviously haven't got to the the World War One type tactics yet, but it's a, it's a bit of a hinge point in military history. Yeah, that's very true. And – for us that live in America, we can actually go see the battlefields. Ah, uh, yeah, very, very true. In fact, there's there's one not very, uh, uh, one uh, 
about 50 miles from where I sit right here. Yeah. Roy, so what where I grew up, uh, sorry, I was going to speak a little okay, bit about, ahead, about Civil War battlefields. Where I grew up uh, in southeast Iowa, uh, there is uh, a little town by the name of Croton, which is basically just a wide spot in the road. And that is the farthest point north that a Civil War battle was ever fought. Um, and really, it was across the river in, uh, oh, shoot, I can't think of what the town, little town on the, on the Missouri side of the river is. But um, cannonballs came across the river t- into this little town in Iowa. Um, so that's kind of the one claim to fame of this little dinky town in, in southeast Iowa is, uh, huh. is the, is the yeah, war there. That surprises me. I wouldn't have thought that it went that far north either. Yeah. Wow. It was a very small engagement, but it happened. Well, yeah. I mean, there had to be somebody had to have that claim of claim to fame, you know, that it went that mm-hmm. far that far north. Uh, I will mm-hmm. say the um, the Iowa State Memorial at the Vicksburg Park is really nice, you know. So there was a lot of people from Iowa down here. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna shift gears here. We got some whiplash going on from going on from uh, Civil War to uh, uh, six-year-old and up dexterity <laughs> games and and logic games. So um, I just came uh, from dinner a little bit ago, and we brought a game called Go Go Gelato with us, and it's a uh, from Blue Orange, um, and they've done they did another game called Doctor Eureka, where you're you're trading little balls between. Um, test tubes and so the, the card gets flipped and it gives a pattern and you swap the, the little balls back and forth in the tubes to get the right pattern so go go gelato is the same sort of thing but it's with ice cream cones and little plastic balls so you flip the card and it gives the pattern of four different color ice cream cones and three different color balls and you have to put it all together in a particular pattern so there's there's some dexterity and there's some logic to it and so we were playing it a little bit with my nine-year-old, and she kind of got bored at it. So my wife and I just just finished playing at the table as we were waiting for our food to come. Um, so, yeah, Gogo Gelato is from Blue Orange. And um, there's a whole series of, of games that are kind of along, along the same lines. There's Dr. Eureka that I mentioned. There's Dr. Beaker that has Erlenmeyer flasks. And then there's Dr. Microbe, where I believe you're picking up bugs out of a Petri dish. Hmm. Uh, I love to look at it, but it also looks like something I could never do. I'm terrible at those games. <laughs> you know, it yeah, it's, all, it's something that my kids would just kick my butt at. It's it's twitch and fast response and everything. And, and of course, there's a the logic element to it, too. So, uh, and then uh, this past weekend, I played a game called Red Dragon N4. So there's a series of these, and they all go together. And the, the setup, the theme to it, is that it's after the adventure, and all of the adventurers have retired to the Red Dragon Inn. And uh, you have two tracks on your card, so you have your fortitude and your alcohol content. So your fortitude starts at 20, your alcohol content starts at zero, and as you play through the game, you take drinks, your alcohol content goes up, and maybe you get into a scuffle and your fortitude goes down. If those, if those ever cross, then you're out of the game. And um, you have a stack of coins where you're, there's, some, there's some gambling that goes on with it. Um, but so 
there's Red Dragon in four, and then one, two, and three, all these games are compatible. So if you have all four of them, you can play a 16-person uh, game of Red Dragon in. Wow. Uh, so, so this is from Slugfest Games, and I have a friend who has a couple copies of these, and we decided we need to get them all together and just have a big you know, battle royale going on. Now, I, so. I was very interested to hear you talk about this because uh, my wife actually noticed it uh, in the shop recently, the local shop, and was like, well, this looks fun, you know, like maybe we could play this. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I was, yeah, was going to ask questions about it. Um, and, but looking at the different types, I think what my local shop has is Red Dragon Inn 2, which was released mm -hmm. in 2008. And so they can all be played independently or together, and you, you know you could play one and four together to, also. So and you could you could Red Dragon players. Yes, yep. My wife and I played um, with alcohol this weekend, so that was interesting and fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so Red Dragon in four is set on a ship, so there's some. Um, some nautical things that go on too. There's a there's a there's a sea event deck where things happen too. Oh, so that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah I may actually pick that up. It also sounds like a pretty fun party game. Yeah, yeah, it does. We had uh, some people over last Saturday, some just some family members over dinner stuff, and then we wanted to play a game afterwards. And I think there were ten of us over here, and it's hard to find a good game for ten people. So mm -hmm. I think we ended up playing. Um, uh, what we play taboo? So, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not not, um, car not cards against humanity, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> you need a certain uh, uh, understanding amongst people, probably <laughs> cards against humanity. Uh, so I played a two-person Agricola recently, um, and this is a game that I love playing, but I'm terrible at. So I I kind of. I, I did like I typically do. I, I came in, you know, a, a distant second, but I still had fun doing it. So, yeah, I've, I've played Agricola a few times. I've played Caverna probably more than Agricola, but they're very similar games. And mm -hmm. these games are just always so relaxing to me. I just like setting them out yeah. and the pieces look nice and, you know, you're just out there farming and buying sheep. And, of course, you're also – you know, slaughtering and eating sheep, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, but yeah, I just, I, they're just very peaceful, relaxing games I found. Uh huh. Agricola was one of the early board games I played in the sense of like, you know, hey, let's get, there's a whole new world out there besides like Risk and Monopoly, you know. Because generally everybody's first game is Catan, and then uh, for me it was that gum. What was that really early deck building game with a medieval theme that everybody freaking played? Dominion. Dominion. D that's it. Dominion. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was Catan, then Dominion, and then I think it was like that's then I think uh, Agricola, and then like Stone Age, and you know some other other stuff like that. So yeah, I always think of it as kind of a classic. And I'm pretty sure I have it on iPad. There's an iPad yeah. app, and, but I haven't yep. played it in a long time. My wife and I have talked about getting my nine-year-old to play Dominion. I think she's probably in that in that uh, era where she could probably do all right with it. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, is it is I'm, nine too young for Dominion? 
I haven't played Dominion. The deck the deck builder that we play is uh, Star Realms. Oh yeah. And uh-huh. I've tried to get my nine year old into that, and she's she doesn't she understands the basics of it, but she's not quite ready for that one yet. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that one has an app too. If I'm if I'm correct. Star Realms. Yeah, yeah. Star Realms actually yeah. has a free app. You can buy the upgrades and stuff, but the basic game you can play for free. But even the actual game is only like fifteen bucks. Hmm. Oh yeah. And so finally, I played uh, Turn the Tide. So this is a game right game, um, and uh, it, it was surprisingly pleasing. It's uh, it's so it's a card game where you have a hand of cards that go from one to sixty, and you're trying. The, there's a, a deck of cards in the middle, and two get flipped. And the person that plays the highest card gets the choice of the two. The person that plays the second highest card gets whatever's left. Um, and so you're trying to not have the high card on the table of the of the card. Sorry, of the cards that are in the center, um, or else you're going to end up drowning essentially. So you you take the one hand of cards and you play it until somebody's out, and then you pass. And then you play again. And you, so everybody plays the same hand of cards once. And then it's basically how well you've played whatever, you know, um, how, how well you've played all the hands of cards. So you play it through. If you have five players, you play it five times. Um, and then your score is based on that rather than how you do on an individual round. So I just realized I did a terrible job of explaining it. But... Uh, <laughs> The, the game is, um, once you play like two hands, you kind of get the idea of what's supposed to happen and how you're supposed to do it. Um, and it's uh, like you can kind of see that, that, that bad things are warming up for you, and it's kind of hard to avoid that if you get in a bad spot where you have a high card show and then you can't get rid of it. So, so is, is I, this a game about pigs drowning? Because that's what I'm seeing in the artwork. It's, uh, no, it's got sheep. Sheep and life preservers. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. When I click on the um, okay, I see that, but there's another one on on Board Game Geek that is pigs, land enter. Oh, this looks like some German thing. That um, maybe it's a German. It's oh, it's it's the uh German edition of land enter. German port of it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. um, (laughs) So you know, I guess as far as a game right game goes, I kind of. Um, when I see a game right game, I kind of write it off a little bit that it's a little, a little simple, a little, I don't know, just not that pleasing. And I was, I was surprised by this game. Kind of like too kitty, maybe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, there's, there's plenty of kitty artwork on it, but the, uh, uh, kind of the strategy is, is, uh, all right. Okay. So yeah, that's what yeah. I've been playing. The sheeps do. The sheeps, uh, sheepses look very cute too. I actually, I, I'm worried about them drowning. I would be concerned. Oh. <laughs> it ain't no thing. Oh, and apparently uh, it has an app too for a dollar ninety nine. What I'm seeing. All right. All right. There you go. Um, is it my turn? Is it, yes, sir. Here? So, um, I spent this the weekend at uh, Arkansas Comic Con. In Little Rock, Arkansas, where I had never been before. 
This is the second time I've ever set foot in uh, Arkansas. The first time I, I fished in Mountain Home years ago. And so, yeah, Little Rock is has some narrow roads. I will, I will say that. <laughs> parking was kind of an issue but other than that uh the convention center it's in was really cool it reminded me kind of a lot of the gen con setup where you it's attached to a hotel you go underground to actually get into it and uh, stuff like that i was working for a vendor there and uh, i just wanted to talk just some insight i had on what people were interested in and what they bought and uh stuff like that um, I think my only complaints with the actual con itself was apparently the year before, not a lot of people attended, and so this year they they appeared to be unprepared because of the recent uh, shooting at the uh, the video game tournament, the Madden tournament. You know, yeah, um, they were wanding people getting in. So, oh no! Yeah, you can imagine what that would be like at a convention. How many people uh, were at the con? Uh, I don't know. I don't have numbers, but it was a lot. As I understand it, it took about three hours to get into the convention. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because they, they, you know, because, I mean, people are carrying fake weapons, and they're wearing a lot of metal anyway. Sure. So I, mm-hmm. I can imagine trying to wand people would just be a nightmare. So that happened. I mean, I didn't have to worry about that, which was really neat because I really dig this kind of this kind of stuff where you had the special badge that lets you jump the line. That was a lot of fun. I was like, no, 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 VIP wristband coming through. I'm a vendor, baby. Let me through. Um, and the other thing was they had, um, you, you know, at conventions, there's always the convention center itself provides food and drink. You know, it's usually written into a contract or yeah. something, and they overcharge you, and they make a lot of money that way. There was one concession stand for, at the very minimum, I would say 2,000 people. It was probably closer to five or 6,000 people. One stand. So wow. if you wanted to eat, or just straight up just get a bottled water, you're talking waiting in line for like 30 minutes to, to do that. So th- that kind of sucked. And uh, while you're waiting in line, they had their big panel for their big guest. It's, it's all in this huge open room in this particular area. And it was Sean Patrick Flannery, if you know who that is. The name I've sounds familiar. I heard the name. I'm going to have to look him up, though. <laughs> he, was, um, he was young Indiana Jones. And uh, he was uh, the other guy in Boondock Saints that's not oh, Nor- Boondock Norman Saints, Reedus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, he gets up there. Okay, where I'm stand- actually standing in line for 30 minutes to buy lunch. And, uh, you know, there's all these families and all these little kids running around. So he starts his panel, and he uses the word fuck like it's his middle name. And so all these people are clutching clutching their pearls all around. They're like, oh, does he not know there are children here? There are children here. My father always told me you never curse around children and women. So, yeah, that was kind of a whole thing. But anyway, on the retail side, um, the main thing I saw sold more than anything at the booth I was working at was RPGs. And the one I didn't have that several people ask about was Rifts. Are you guys familiar with Rifts at all? 
Uh, I've never played it, but I'm familiar with it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a classic RPG from, like, way back in the day, and uh, I know it has been re-implemented, and a lot of people recommend this version in Savage Rifts. So, uh, it's just kind of neat. I know it's it's kind of post-apocalyptic with sort of, like, magic and leftover tech, and, you know, it's just, yeah, kind of interesting. It's very cyberpunk, but it also has, like, fantasy and horror and western. It's, it's all this stuff, like, blended up together. So I always thought it was kind of an original setting. I was just going to mention that. Uh, people ask about that. Uh, the other thing that caught me off guard was I had a couple that came and they wanted a six-player board game. And I am here to tell you that is difficult to find. Yeah, it is. I, you know, we, prob- we probably had, I don't know, 40, 50 board, different board games out there, all kinds of different stuff. Um, and I was just, like, having to pick them up and going, uh... This nine times out of ten, they're one to five players or two to five players. Yeah, so you've got some heavy strategy games like Here I Stand and Twilight Imperium that are great at six, but that's not something you're just gonna throw down and play. Um, Sushi Go ha- Party, Sushi I Go Party plays well at six. Didn't have that one. Yeah, the I, regular uh, Sushi Go won't go up to six, but if you get the party box, it will. Okay, I, I did have a copy of Twilight Imperium, and several people picked it up. And yeah. I was like, I was like, look, if you have, first of all, you you need five friends. You yeah, know, you have to have five friends. Five friends that have a Saturday every month that they're not doing anything on. <laughs> and and I, and I was like, this is the perfect game to kill a Saturday. Yeah, you'll play this in your entire Saturday. That's that's what this is. And so, uh, yeah, I was not successful i think i ended up finding one or two games and they were just like eh, they just don't look interesting and so you know yeah oh um, paperback i'll bet that would play well at six okay i've never played it at one. six but i bet it would uh it's a deck builder where you uh you you make words it's kind of like a scrabble meets a deck builder game it's a lot of fun okay yeah and there's I'll, a game I'll called word tycoon which is um, pretty good too. That's uh, might work for that. I have we had that one in the local shop, but uh, did not bring it. Um, ah, so yeah, okay. I'll, I'll I'll yeah I'll try to have all these linked in the show notes. So yeah. if you if you yourself are looking for a six player game, we'll come up with something. Scythe Scythe will go up to six with expansions too. Oh, that that reminds me. Okay, I brought several games that I thought that like people would be really interested in. Uh, among them were Scythe, and uh, people kind of balked at the price point on it. And I honestly did not know MSRP on Scythe is like 100 bucks. No way. I didn't I, know that either. Let me double-check that as, as we sit I'm here. I'm sure that I didn't pay that for my copy. No, no, no. I mean, you know, there's always a discount. Because, like, where I was working, yeah. we, were, uh, we did um, uh, 20% off. Okay, uh, list price is 80 it's, okay. it's it's eighty bucks. So I was kind of surprised that um, it, it was that much because I think yeah I'm looking here miniature market has it for fifty six ninety nine. That sounds about right. So now I will say uh, Rise of Fenris sold within an hour of us opening up. I brought that with us and boom it was gone, just completely. Somebody's like oh I I need this. So an MSRP on it was fifty five. 
So, um, and then, yeah, we were going to bring um, My Little Scythe, but somebody bought it at the <laughs> store. So it, it just never happened. Uh, and there is uh, another uh, super popular game that I'll get to in just a minute that we sold every copy we brought. Uh, the next thing I thought was interesting was I had a lady come up to me and say, look, me and my husband play every RPG, <laughs> every RPG. If you could think of it, we played it. So I really, I want you to hit me with something you think uh, yeah, that I have never heard of. And so, you know, I, I'm like, okay, so obviously D&D Pathfinder are out, you know. And so I started kind of looking through you know, what we had and offering it. Because I try to do a really good job of bringing a different selection. If you follow us on Twitter, you see, like, the uh, the picture I posted. Uh, that was our table full of RPGs, and that's where I basically stayed at, was there selling those. And it was a huge different variety. The only D&D I brought was Monster Manuals and Player's Handbooks. And the only Pathfinder I brought was the Playtest. Uh, in leather-bound, in hardback, and in softback. So, needless to say, I sold the softback and the hardback, but nobody was really interested in the leather-bound. So, so I'm like offering different things. There's some end-of-the-world RPGs uh, that are kind of one-shots. Uh, offered those. She wasn't. She hadn't played it. Wasn't interested. And other weird stuff like other um, that was really really popular there. An Army of Darkness RPG. People were like, I had no idea this existed. I can't tell you how many people picked it up, and then finally somebody bought it. But a lot of people went there and perused it. But what she ended up getting was this RPG, and I have, I, I know nothing about it. It's relatively inexpensive. I think the MSRP on it was 40 bucks or less. It's called Part-Time Gods from Third Eye Games. And so that was kind of enough for her to go, oh, all right, you know, this is this sounds cool. This is, uh, you know, something that uh, we've never done. And, uh, yeah, I'll pick that up. And I'll link this in the show notes because they offer you a uh, just kind of a quick, uh, quick look at it in the downloads. You can do character sheets and all this stuff at um, Third Eye Games. I see if they're, if they're known for anything else. No, they don't do anything else I recognize, but I'll post the link in the show notes. So, yeah. Army of Darkness was big. And the other RPG that was, like, really big, and the reason being why it was big, was one guy was there doing demos. And uh, the actual guy who created this game was working right across from us at another booth. This is called Tortured Earth, the Tortured Earth RPG. And... Um, People really like the demos for it. They come up and they're like, "Hey, are they doing? Is anybody doing like D and D one shots or anything like that?" And I'm like, uh, "No, all we've got is this. This guy's doing uh, Tortured Earth." And they're like, "Well, what is that?" And I'm like, "Well, it's right down there. You know, go down there, check it out, and see what you think." And ev- we sold out of it. We sold probably six or eight copies of this. They offered a deal where it was like the rule book. And a separate adventure for 40 bucks. And, uh, yeah, people seem to like this enough. So I thought I'd just toss it on here and see what you guys thought. I don't know how it's available. Uh, KB Kidder is the guy who wrote this. And, um, yeah, he was a really nice guy. And uh, just kind of answered all these people questions because it it's always great when people ask you questions like well what kind of dice does it use or whatever i'm like why don't you go ask the guy that created it right over there 
you know, he'll tell you all about it. Yeah, that is nice. Uh, it looks like you can get on their website. I like the idea of levelless and classless RPGs, you know, where it's sort of, uh, you know, it, it depends on how they do it. I, I haven't really read into this much, but whether it's, you know, use a skill to make it get better or some other system or whatever, but, um, classes have a place in RPGs, but I, I like the alternative as well. So this one looks interesting. I'm going to look yeah. into this one further. All right. Well, I'd, I'd be very curious to, uh, know what you, know what you think. I, I see this guy at several conventions that I go to throughout the year, uh, just as a vendor. Cause he does like a jewelry and some other stuff. And then he has this RPG that he sells as well, which brings me to kind of a, uh, another point I wanted to make dadgum. And I posted this on Twitter. I really would like to see some D and D financial aid for little kids. And I don't know how this would work, but I would definitely donate to this charity. Cause I feel so bad when these little kids and i'm talking like you know around 10 years old they come up oh mister you've got dungeons and dragons i've heard so much about this and i'm really interested in it which book do i need and you know it's like well the first thing you need is this player's guide and they're like oh wow and they flip through it and they're like this is so neat and you can just see this wonder in their eyes and you know all the stuff it's so sad like you know there there's music swelling in the background and (laughs) And they're like, Mister, how much is it? And I'm like, uh, it's fifty dollars. Yeah. And that just, just, yeah, just kills them. Now, like, we sell ours for forty. We do twenty percent off RPG, so it was forty. But even then, that just seemed to be a little too much out of it. And a lot of these kids are getting it from like Stranger Things and you know uh, other uh, sitcoms, uh, the the Big Bang Theory, you know, whatever. D and D has gotten into popular culture. And so they become really interested in it. I mean, a lot of times I get, like, dads that are like, hey, I used to be a, a GM in the 80s or whatever, and now my kids are talking about this, so I want to buy in, again, to the new edition. But, yeah, just the kids made me sad because I, I want to give them all a book. Like, here, here, kid, you know, uh, start a lifetime of nerdery right yeah. here. Start down that road. Now, I would encourage those kids to go and check out their local library because oh, even here in true. conservative West Michigan, um, we have D and D books in our local library. Yeah. And probably have, not fifth edition, have, but no, I think it's third edition, but yeah. still pretty good. And, uh, things like vampire, the masquerade, which is for yeah, a conservative area is pretty, pretty out there. But I mean, that's the sort of thing is available. Um, you know, so they could they could get that book from the library and take it home and show their parents and kind of demystify it a little bit and you know maybe mom and dad will uh, will get it for them. I got my first red box for a Christmas present from my neighbor. You know, the yeah, D and D uh, basic. Yeah, and the starter set you can still pick up for twenty bucks too. So yeah. See, we were. My boss was talking about that. Like, you know, maybe we should invest in some starter sets the next time we come down. Because we did sell a couple of Force and Destiny starters mm-hmm. that we had, and one of the L5R starters. Now, the L5R starter, I guess, just because that's the only thing that's out, it's like fifty bucks. Yeah, I was looking at that one. <sighs> And the Force and Destiny's not as bad. And then, uh, of course, you know, the D&D starter's, what, 20? I think it's 20, yeah. Yeah. 
So if if it's twenty and we did twenty percent off that, it's that would be like sixteen dollars. So yeah, that would be really good. That'd be affordable. And that starter set in D and D, I mean, that's got it's got a full full adventure in it that'll you know if if a group of people were to sit down, no D and D at all, and pick up the starter box, they'd be good to go for at least six months. Now, now it seems to me. Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. It seems to me that I'd seen that. Um, some D and D things are available at Target in store. I saw the starter box there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yep. That's 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 good to see. Yeah, I was actually at Target today, and I saw it. did notice the starter yep. box there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, those D and D books are expensive. I was looking at um, uh, the Guide to Everything, Xanthar's Guide to Everything, just because, like I said, I'm playing D and D, and I've got a monk, and there's some different monk options in there, and I was looking through the book and. Like you said, it's fifty bucks, and the the thing is, those D and D books are so. I mean, the artwork is better than anything else. I mean, there's no other RPG out there that has the quality of artwork that the D and D books have. And uh, I'm not talking about style, because you may not like another book for its style, but just the quality of the art in the D and D books is amazing. Maybe the Star Wars, maybe the FFG Star Wars books are just as good, but I think that's why they're so expensive. Is it's just the the quality of the actual book, and they're not available on drive through RPGs. So you can't get a cheap PDF or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think they sell their own PDFs. Maybe I know I know a couple of people do that. Like Morpheus does. Because currently, you mentioned you know Vampire the Masquerade. The only currently the only way to get a PDF of it is through direct from them. And if you buy a copy of the physical book, it actually comes with one. I'm hoping. I think later this month the PDF releases on like drive through. And um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna get. I'll I'll do that. I'll, I'll pick it up then. Bet torrent. I, I'm, very interested. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know that is the whole thing. As somebody mentioned that on Twitter, it's like, well, don't kids just pirate things nowadays? <laughs> and I'm like, eh, these these are little kids. You know, uh, you know they were. I don't know. They haven't got to where they're pirating things yet. Begin Not your before. life of crime now. Yeah, but yeah, somebody, before puberty, somebody should do that. So somebody should set up D and D financial aid. Basically, you know. It's like a Pell Grant. They give you, say, $30 toward purchase of a uh, D&D Player's Guide. So the Player's Guide is 20 bucks, And, uh, yeah, that would be great. I think kids would buy it more that way. Of course, you know, that'd have to be restrictions. You'd have to apply for it, you know, whatever. But, anyway. Moving on to uh, the biggest thing my booth sold. It was so super-duper popular. It just came out um, last week, at the beginning of the week, and we brought, like, um, four or five of them to the con because we knew it would be popular, and that is Rick and Morty, Morty, the Pickle Rick game. (laughs) It's this huge plastic Pickle Rick. It's, like, damn thing's, like, two and a half feet tall. And it's in a box, and so we just sat it out, and everybody stopped. Everybody picked it up. People were taking pictures with it, and um, yeah, if from what I remember, I think MSRP on it was forty-five bucks. This is some kind of deck-building game. There is some miniatures. There's some tiles. I have no idea how this plays. 
but uh, I will post it in the show notes, and you can take a look at it. It's from Cryptozoic, and um, yeah, it's maybe this is awesome. Yeah, I saw this one at Miniature Market last week, maybe, and I was looking at it and thinking, yeah, I don't really know anything about Rick and Morty, but I'm sure this is going to be popular because Rick and Morty are super popular. Well, that particular episode was very popular, but in my opinion, that episode came out a long time ago. So, you know, it's weird just seeing this kind of stuff is just hitting the market, which, I mean, I understand because nobody expected it to be that popular. Everybody, for like months afterward, were just walking around going, I'm Pickle Rick, you know, and all this ridiculous stuff. It's like the Szechuan sauce thing where, yeah, you know. Yeah, it was. And they have cranked out Pickle Rick wallets, shirts, (laughs) you know, all this stuff, and uh, yeah. There are actually a few uh, Rick and Morty games. I think there's Anatomy Park was one because we sold that. And there's another one that I can think of actual board games. But anyway, it's probably Rick a, and Morty, the Pickle Rick game, very popular. Probably a version Man, of Flux I need out cable. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't get, or, well, just BitTorrent, like I said. <laughs> um, or actually, I think it's on Hulu, you know, if you just want to do that. Oh. The other thing, we sold every copy of Star Wars Legion I brought, which was, I think, two or three. And it's, it's like an $80 game, something like that. That was really neat. A couple of people were actually like, oh, man, you know, I've been looking for this. And, yeah, or they're playing this in my area. And so, you know, I, I have to get this. So I, and I, I think I brought, the only other thing I brought was, like, a set of snowtroopers and a snowspeeder. And nobody was interested in those. I tried to not bring a lot of fiddly bits, you know, the extra stuff. We were we brought like a bunch of just starters. So it was like Star Wars Legion, it was Warhammer, a couple of Age of Sigmar starters, the Kill Team starters, you know, all that. Where it's just these big boxes. But they're big, they're heavy, and they're about 150 bucks for most of them. So people kind of really appreciated Legion's price point. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was interesting. I guess the only other thing I found fascinating was we had this huge box of old, dead CCGs from the 90s. And we just threw, uh, there's like, it was, it was just, it's, it was a, uh, not a long box, but the, the next size down boxes, it was that full of old, dead CCGs. And we stuck a sign on it that said just like a dollar a pack. And the reality was, anytime anybody walked over and started grabbing a bunch of them, I'm like, if you get more than 30, I'll sell them to you for 50 cents a piece. But I cannot tell you how many people went over there and started digging through and was like, are there any magic cards in here? And we're like, are you out of your mind? (laughs) There is not a single magic card in a sealed pack in anything, not even Fallen Empires, for crying out loud, that's worth a dollar. You got a thousand Neopets. Yeah, who would who would be dumb enough to stick it in? I'll tell you what it was in there. It was like um, the old Star Trek RPG. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the old Star Trek The Next Generation card game. The old Star Wars card game. Um, there was some Spellfire, which you mentioned D&D artwork. The Spellfire had awesome artwork because it had all that old 80s uh, D&D artwork in it. Uh and a bunch Babylon 5 there was a Babylon 5 card game that I had no idea existed Uh, and a bunch more that I had never heard of some old werewolf some vampire you know it was yeah but we did sell about two thirds of it so 
Anyway, moving on to what is on your radar. The first thing I had is called Counter Blast, and it just I got noticed. I, I noticed it from one of those targeted ads, I think on Twitter or something. So I guess, damn it, they work. Whatever. Um, (laughs) And what caught my attention was the artwork. Just looking at this artwork that you'll see from the link in the show notes, there's a shark guy with a laser gun and some kind of robot behind him. I'm like, all right, you have my attention. You have a shark with a freaking laser gun. So uh, I'm interested. But not on his head. He needs to have a laser on his head. (laughs) Yeah, not on his head. But uh, actually looking at it, and uh, damn, this game is kind of expensive looking at it, you know. I mean, I know how things are, you know, how you have to do as an independent, but damn, it's, it's like looking at it, it's like the hardcover second edition is 50 bucks. You can get a PDF for 20 but um, their launch, lunch, sorry, not launch, lunchbox edition gives you two starters... Two starting forces and all you need to play it, but it's 120 bucks. And again, this looks like a small scale skirmish game, and you know how that uh, that appeals to me. So I don't know. Maybe I'll uh, I can interview these guys and, and see about it. But yeah, if it was well, the price point's a little high for me, but uh, I just I really yeah. dig like the different um their factions and stuff like the lancers. Or, yeah, that's where Shark Guy comes from. And he's got a bunch of his junky robot pals and some half-naked girls or whatever. So, And there's another, there's a Tiger Man that's missing an eye. I, just, I, I really dig the character design in there. So, yeah, just going to bring it to your attention. Um, the next thing I had was, and this is especially for Richard, I'm sitting in my local store just running my mouth. And I gaze over at the shelf, and I see the bottom of a box. No way. I see the bottom of a box, and I'm like, it says something about Marines and Japanese. And I'm like, they get in a war game? I'm like, what is this? We never get in war games here. So I pull it out, and it's MMP's Rising Sun. And uh, I immediately go, uh, Travis, what have you got on this? And he goes... Uh, I don't know. We haven't priced it yet. I'm like, give me a price right yeah, now. Yeah, two fifty. And, and it, it, like his eyes narrow, and he's like, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm like, come on, give me a price right now. <laughs> and I'm just badgering back and forth. I'm like, what would you price this at? He's like, I want to look it up. I'm like, no, don't look it up. Just give me a price. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, honestly, man, just just joking around here. If you had to give a price on this without looking at what would you say you you get on? He's like, uh, I don't know, fifty bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, here's my, I'm like, pick a card, whatever card you want, right here. You want cash? I'll go get cash. You want Canadian loonies? I'll go get those right now and pay fifty dollars for this. And I'm like, you know, honestly, what it is, it's it's pretty collected. So I pulled it up on eBay and we did completed auctions. And at that time. The last two that sold on eBay, one sold for two fifty and the other one sold for three hundred. Yeah, two fifty to two seventy five is about the going price for that. And it's not even like you can't I mean, if you want to pay that much for it, it goes on sale all the time. There's always somebody on Facebook or or someone somewhere selling it, but that's the price. It's gonna be two fifty to two seventy five. Yeah, so- and I 
it honestly it's going to come back into print what like next year I, think. I don't know about next year but within the next two or three for sure so you know i've got uh, we mentioned before i've got armies of oblivion on the way i've got plenty of stuff to play until then i want it i'm gonna get it but i'm not gonna pay 250 for it i can wait a couple years and pay 130 for it so adam how did your guy uh come across this yeah that's what that's what <laughs> oh <I'm>, yeah <laughs> Okay, okay. That was the other thing I said. I was like, who <laughs> traded this in? Who traded it in? Give me his phone number. You know, I need to know this guy. I need to become friends with this guy. Where is he? <laughs> you know, I need to know. And he was like, it was a guy that came in and traded in a whole bunch of board games that were sealed. Wow. And um, it, that it included uh, Rising Sun. And I promise you, man, uh, they didn't pay even $50 for Rising Sun. I wouldn't imagine. I imagine they did a price for all of them and maybe priced them all out, you know, gave them 20 bucks for Maybe. Wow. I don't know. That's what I would assume is maybe 20 bucks per uh, board game, you know, without looking anything up and just like, there you go, here's your money, and send him on his way. And apparently he was happy with that. So, you know, yeah, this is a... This is the uh, the the skeleton of a of a uh, episode of Pawn Stars that like <laughs> some guy brings in a stack of uh, of MMP stuff and well you know I gotta I gotta go talk to my guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were saying. They were like, "Wow, this is like Storage Wars or something." You know, yeah. we just we file this stuff and come to find out this one thing is worth that much money. Yeah, it's sealed. You know, I took it to the Arkansas Comic Con. And I was expecting at least somebody to recognize it and go, oh, wow, how much is this? And the reality was, it was like, I, you know, maybe I could have got him to sell it for two. You know, he want he wants like two fifty, and I'm like, well, you know, that's the thing is you can get it for two fifty elsewhere, so you should be competitive. Why don't you set it at like two? You know, and you should probably have no problem selling it. You made a big profit, and there you go. But anyway, yeah, I was very shocked to see it on the shelf. I immediately posted it on on Twitter. So yeah, if you're actually interested in buying this, email me and uh, I put you in touch with the shop if you if you really want a copy. And uh, yeah, I'm sure he could work something out for you. Anyway, uh, the next thing I was surprised to be in the store and out popped a box. Uh, they got a shipment in. A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniature game, has made it to stores. And uh, there's been some discussion about it uh, locally. Uh, we got the starter set, the Stark versus Lannister set. MSRP on it is $149, but it comes with, I mean, a shitload of miniatures. It's, it comes with 103 miniatures is what it comes with. Some 2D terrain, lots of cards, fiddly bits, and measurement sticks, and a companies love little measuring sticks for whatever reason <laughs> and um yeah so it's it's available now it's out i am very curious to see because for one this is a big ip and the other is a lot of people have this itch uh for a fantasy based game that uses um movement trays you know like the old warhammer fantasy does because age of sigmar doesn't it's basically skirmish. It plays like 40k. So, you know, it's I'm I'm very curious to see 
you know, how this goes. Now, I, I haven't played uh, Warhammer. How does the movement tray work? Oh, it's you uh, You put all your guys in the tray. Like, yeah. their bases fit in a little spot. Right. And so it's like, you know, you're moving this huge block of units. Okay. Like you would in, like, the English Civil War or whatever, you know. Where it's like so you're wheeling of... formations and things. Okay. Yes, that's it okay. exactly. Because yep. you're you're trying to hit the guy like in uh, his flank or or whatever. So, yeah, that's yeah, never that's... appealed to me. Yeah, I like the way Legion does it, where you you move the leader and everyone else just has to stay in cohesion with him. And then obviously yeah. I've seen other games where you just get you know, a tape measure and you get to move a certain distance or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's considered kind of a skirmish type thing is is where they just kind of all move just kind of you know willy-nilly but they have to be in coherency because they have to be able to hear like um you know uh orders or whatever yeah. is the the rationale for it but yeah it's out and given the ip is hot now if, if talking to people about it they did make a good point that if you notice it doesn't have the name a game of thrones on it it, I did not notice that. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess. Apparent. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I guess Song of Ice and Fire is the name of the entire series. Game of Thrones is the name of the first book, and also the name of the HBO series. So. Actually, the name of the first book is A Song of Ice and Fire. Is it? Oh yeah. 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 I. I'm. Of course. I. I have. I may have just screwed that up. I may no. have committed to it. That's a, uh, I thought it was a Game of Thrones was the first book. Yeah, I thought so too. I haven't read them in a couple of years, but I think I think Song of Ice and Fire is uh, the, the the overarching story. Yeah, Game of Thrones oh, is the first see. book. Oh damn it! Did I screw it up? Yes, I did. I did screw it up. Yeah, it is a Game <laughs> of Thrones. As people were yelling in their car at me. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, what? Go ahead. Oh, I see that there's four different factions here so there's the lannisters and the starks and then like the wild men i guess and then um i don't know who the um there's the sword and the raven swarm brothers and ranger hunters i'm not sure what that faction is um well the second starter set that's coming out will be the night's watch and it may be that faction they okay. and it's only a hundred bucks ah the um, you know, some of these figures look kind of neat. It'd be kind of cool to just have uh, a few of them. Like Rob Stark would be pretty cool. I'm I'm not interested in playing the game, but just having some of the figures to paint and um, you know, have on display look kind of neat. I bet a painted army would look really cool. Yeah, I bet it really would. Uh, what we were talking about locally is we assume that quote unquote a Game of Thrones is a different IP because it's the television show and that's owned by HBO. So it could be, if by calling it A Song of Ice and Fire, it's a different licensing thing. By If you don't use that name, you don't have to pay HBO. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, it's it's made it to stores. And again, of course, this is the whole thing with Legion, too. You know, I'm very interested to see how Legion ends up doing in a year. Because that's a really hot IP, and so how is it competing with Warhammer? You know, it's the main thing. So how will this compete with, you know, uh, Age of Sigmar? But we'll see. 
The next thing I had was a very strange board game, I thought, that I found when I was packing up uh, for the convention called Witches of the Revolution. It apparently is new. It came out in 2017. Have you guys heard anything about this? This is the first I've heard about it. Uh, yeah, this is a an American Revolution game that we talked about. The cover art's great. It's like a bunch of like witches on the left with like wands and yeah, they're got wearing cow skulls and there's re- and, uh, there's the, my favorite is the little cat that's going to kill somebody on <laughs> on the bottom. And um to the right are some red coats, some evil red coats that want to take away their freedom to be witches. And so there you go. It comes from Atlas Games, and it is a deck-building game. I swear, if the price on this is good in my my local store, I I may pick this up. Just because it just seems so ridiculous. Or at least watch a (laughs) how-to-play or something to see what people think about. I, I have, yeah, how do people come up with this idea? You know, that are like, hey, Rich, I have this really cool idea for a game. What is it, Adam? It's an American Revolution game. Really? That'll do really well, I think. But it's got witches in it. Um, I don't know. They got they got me. for You got points for originality for this. As far as I know, there is no other game like this. So is this an um, outgrowth of uh, IPs like uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? That, that people are just kind of mashing up history with, with supernatural stuff and kind of squeezing out the the rag and see what comes out and they <laughs> that's a good I don't point. Know. that is that is a really good point it may be it may be i'm trying to see what else uh atlas games did oh they did button men if you guys remember that that old game from 99 it was like literally like it was kind of a collectible miniature game only the miniatures were buttons and you fought my button against yours and they uh, also did beer money which uh, uh, once I upon remember. a time they did years and years okay. ago too. Oh yeah, they did Gloom. That's yeah, Gloom oh, okay, is yep. kind of popular. And so yeah, just kind of interesting. Just gonna mention that and uh, yeah, and I forget beer money is a growth of lunch money. So there you go. <laughs> uh, the other thing I had was a RPG we got in stock locally uh, from Cubicle Seven called Rocket Age. I'm a big fun fan of like Rocket Punk. That whole like you know, twentieth you know nineteen twenties idea of futurism, where everybody has like ray guns and big bubble helmets and stuff like that. Buck so, Rogers. Yeah, that kind of Metropolis. thing. Like the original Buck Rogers. Yeah. Uh huh. So it's it's got some really good production and some really good art. It's this nice art deco kind of kind of look to it, and yeah, it it looks like honestly Flash Gordon more than Buck Rogers. It would have to be original Buck Rogers from like the 30s, but yeah, it looks totally like the Flash Gordon movie with the rockets and stuff like that. So I just thought it was cool. I may end up uh, picking it up from my local store. I was surprised nobody picked it up at the con, but you know, whatever. All right, Rich, tell us about Battle Hymn. Yeah, so I've read the rule book. I haven't played it yet. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty new game. Um, it's the first in a new series coming out. Because it's volume one. I think volume two has been announced. This one, it's American Civil War. Uh, It's got a couple of battles in the first edition that I've got. It's got Gettysburg, and it's also got Pea Ridge, which is not too far from here. That's in, like, the Arkansas-Missouri border, I think. 
Um, so far, like I said, I haven't played it. That's why it's on my radar and not played yet. Um, it kind of reminds it, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the Mets game that I've been playing a little bit of Mets. 1870 at any cost it's a chit draw system but here's one of the things that i like just from reading the rule book about this game um you do combat twice around so you're like in any chit draw system you're going to be drawing you know markers to you know activate certain battalions and move them into position as you activate this and that um but one player depending on the the rules and everything can have initiative and that player at any time can say okay we're doing combat now wherever anyone is where everyone has moved up to this point this is where we're going to do combat and then you'll actually do combat a second time later but when you draw that combat shit that's when combat happens it doesn't happen all the time as you're moving so you move your forces into position and hopefully you get them into position before it's time to fight but maybe you don't and i really like the idea of fog of war as a as a military gamer and i think this looks like a really interesting mechanic for doing that so i'm looking forward to playing this one and this is from compass games right yes it is yep and then the other game that i just picked up is root which I was actually surprised and happy to get a copy of um, and haven't played that reading the rule book on that one. But that is uh, from I've, I've heard some interviews and I've, I've read the rule book now and it is a very, very uh, asymmetric game, which I like a lot. Um, there's four factions in the game and they all play very differently um, to the point where. I think it's going to be interesting seeing multiple different player accounts. You can play from two to four players. If one of the factions is not in the game, the game will play differently because that faction is gone as well. So it's uh it's it's super cute. Like the little, you know, the little wooden minis are like, you know, little bunny rabbits and little birds and everything. But from everything I've heard, the game is super cutthroat. And it looks like a lot of fun, and I'm definitely going to be playing that probably this weekend. Yeah, all these different cutesy factions are fighting for control of the forest. Correct. They all have their yeah. they all have their unique uh, advantages and disadvantages. That is actually a Kickstarter. I regret not Kickstartering. Yeah, and I think as hard as that is to say, I know there's an expansion out there. I don't know if that was like a Kickstarter bonus or whatever. Um, I've just got the base game. I know the expansion has more factions in it, but you know, I've got plenty to go with right here for now. Man, I want that game so bad. <laughs> and that's the one I, I I'm kind of kind of on the fence about. It's like, uh, what well, what was the retail on that? What's the MSRP on Root? Sixty. Sixty. Yep. Okay, so fifty. Okay, that's not bad. No. But it's it's such a good game. I wonder if I sit around and don't buy it, eventually somebody else will. Yeah. And I can just mooch off them. It's funny because save myself money. You mentioned that I was I was actually sitting on my lunch break yesterday, maybe. Yeah, just yesterday, reading the rule book, and a friend of mine texted me and said. Hey, I'm at the game store. There's one last copy of Root. Should I get it? And I just I texted him a picture of me reading the rule book. I said, "You can get it if you want, but you're going to get to play it either way." So, <laughs> if you've got someone that could get it for you, then do it that way. Yeah, I think I, I may try to get my my local shop to um, 
to get it in. And then, like, I want it to be like, okay, I just want to leave it here for, like, a week and see if somebody buys it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's our local game shop. This wasn't at Miniature Market. They probably got it, too. Um, although I did talk to Miniature Market earlier in the week, and they said all their pre-orders had been sold out, but they always have a few extra copies for the shelf. I'm guessing those are gone as well, not too, because I know Game Night, which is our other local store, um, they got it in. I'm guessing they got it in Saturday. They posted a picture of it on Facebook and said, hey, we've got it in. So I went up and picked it up, and like I said, by Monday, they were down to one copy left. So. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, I'll update you guys on the podcast. You'll you'll know yeah, and when I get it. I'll you'll give know. you a full report next podcast as well because I'm definitely going to play it. I hear it's a lot like coin games. Yes, that's what I've heard too, and I've talked a lot about how much I like coin games. So, so yeah, I know uh, Volka Runka is very very interested. I don't know if he actually has a copy, but he is. I've seen him comment on a lot of people talking about the comparison. Yeah. So. So uh, the next thing we had was actually we fall back to me because I didn't edit this correctly. But um, anyway, Ulf Sark Games is looking for a publisher for Tayo Dynasties. And I think this actually fits well, well with Root because it looks, at least the artwork style for this is really cool. I, I am totally attracted uh, to the, the artwork here. Just this anamorphic... Um, old school Japan looking thing. I mean, I love like the uh the pug, the wolf and the uh the panda guy in the imperial army. That is absolutely the the faction I would do. And these these guys are just looking for a uh, a publisher. Apparently, they um they have it all together and they have a Kickstarter preview and uh yeah, they're looking for a publisher for this game, which I think looks like really freaking cool. So, I I hope they find one because I kind of want to um, play this game. It could possibly even be something I kickstart. You kickstart, huh? I know. It's it's. <laughs> I know, right? It's just crazy, crazy talk. And uh, it's just because it's a miniature game, and these guys, it's anthropomorphic, you know, uh, old school Japan looking guys, and yeah, just looks. So what if uh, amazing? What if cool mini? Cool Mini decides to publish it, and they kickstart it. Ah, uh, don't tell me that. <laughs> no, no, it's a Cool Mini and uh, Steve Jackson collaboration. I will say just offhand, what kind of sucks is because this happens everywhere. All the cool games, or at least the games I'm interested in, are across the pond. Because this will, I see the pound symbol on here. Boo. <laughs> and because uh, I did bitch recently on Twitter about the shipping cost uh, for uh, a game. I, in fact, I'm so pissed off I won't even mention it um, on here. But uh, the, I hate that. I hate that when you're like, you know, you're like, wow, okay, you know, even this is in pounds. It does seem kind of cool. So I'm going to, to do this. And then they hit you with, like, what you backed. You know, if you back, like, 50 bucks, they turn around and then they're like, well, I need... 40 to ship it to you it's just oh it just makes me so damn mad that they should really be better and more upfront about that but ugh. again this is kickstarters and maybe adam you should just stop kickstarting <laughs> and you won't be disappointed so anyway uh the next thing we had actually falls to roy and he has uh ran afoul of ffg's dice 
Yes. And how they do things. So, here, can you hear this? That that is yeah, the, I think that is the plastic to the cover or to the starter set of Star Wars Legion. I I just got it home tonight and I just got the plastic off of it and uh, I haven't punched anything or done anything to it, but I'm ready to start tearing into that and and painting it. But Fantasy Flight and their dice. And this is, I think, is a thing that's epidemic with them constantly is they never include enough dice in any other game. Um, so I've heard people say you got to get a, an additional set of dice. So I, when I picked up the starter, I went ahead and got a set. Um, have people, do people concur with that? Oh, absolutely. When, uh, yeah. when the game first came out, I picked up, so I got a couple starter sets cause I wanted to trade half of one of them and, uh, and I got an extra pack of dice as well. So. Okay. I have plenty, but I have three packs of dice. If if all you have is the starter set, yeah, that's definitely not enough. Okay. So, yeah, anyway, I do have the starter. Um, so I initially picked up Han Solo, and he's all done now. I painted him like Malcolm Reynolds, uh, okay. I, which I previously talked about. Um, and I took some poor pictures and posted them on Twitter. So if you want to check those out, uh, they're at uh, Roy Toy Cowboy on Twitter. Um so I also picked up the commandos and I painted one and one and seven eighths of another one. Um, so I'm, I'm moving through those. Um, so now I got to go through the learn to play book. So Star Wars Legion, here I go. Now see when I bought mine at launch, that was like they're like, "Hey, you probably want to get more dice because right now because they're really bad about that, mm-hmm. about uh you know the not putting enough in the uh the, the starters for it." And I was like, "Ah, okay, I'll do it." Yeah, Battle Lord, they did the same thing, and yeah, it's just I don't know, it's their thing, I guess, but. And since they're custom embossed dice, you can't just, you know, get some third party somewhere. So, kind of a bummer. It, but. There is a Star Wars dice app, though, that includes Legion dice as well. So that's... Oh, okay. if If you were in a situation where you couldn't get any anywhere else, that's an option. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, next on my list is uh, Grand Con in Grand Rapids this weekend. And... I'm having misgivings about going um, because uh, my wife and I went last year and she doesn't really want to go this year. She was a little disappointed with how it went last year. Um, two years ago, it was in a hotel with nice carpeted floors and, you know, it was, it was nice. And now it's in a convention center with, uh, you know, high 40 foot high ceilings and concrete floors. And it's just not, not quite as um, welcoming. And our house is a lot more um, comfortable. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if I want to go. But I see that there's a game of Twilight Imperium 4, and I've really been jonesing to play that. So I don't know. I may – and I have a friend that's going too, um, and he really wants me to show up. So I don't know. I'm, I may go. I may not. I'm not for sure on that. I'm looking at the guests. They do have the uh, guy that designed Gloomhaven yeah. will be there. Uh-huh. And uh, some other ones that I'm kind of familiar with. My favorite is like one of these is listed as a podcaster. I'm like, how do I get that gig? 
I'll come to your game. I'll come to your thing for free, no matter where it is. Just pay now, are transportation. You, are you looking at the list that I posted on on our page there? Uh, well, I I clicked went to grand-con.com oh, okay. yep. and uh, I'm looking at uh, guests. Just okay. Kind yep. of just There's a lot down. of guests there. So, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, the, they do have like Doug Lewandowski, the guy that did Kids on Bikes. I'm kind of interested in that RPG, uh, and uh, it's, yeah, there's a ton of guests on here. But just when it comes down to people that I'd be interested in, eh, there's only about two, I think. But you know, but <laughs> I, is, are there any of that you that just pop out to you that you're like, you know, hey, I'd love to see this guy. Well, you know, uh, so. Mandy Hutchinson is uh, on the Dice Tower, and she's a, a, a woman of color, we'll say. And I, I would like to pick her brain a little bit about, um, you know, diversity in gaming and stuff. So I guess it's sort of, but not really. And I've, I've met some of these people before, um, but I don't know. I just, I, I don't go there to meet people, I guess. Or I don't. I typically don't. Don't. I go to cons to play games. You know, if there's somebody that I um, maybe kind of know about or I'm introduced to in the in the moment, you know, I'll talk to them. But it's not something I'm gonna like. That's not the reason I'm gonna go. That's just kind of gravy, I guess. That is true. I mean, I don't either. I even like celebrities. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not really interested in anybody or anything like that i guess with gaming it comes down to me i'd just be like oh you know if it's somebody that i really dig it'd be like i really liked your game or you know Mm -hmm. whatever or hey i've always had this problem with (laughs) with this can you explain this mechanic or you know whatever but dad gum they have a whole lot of guests and stuff for it so it must be a pretty big con well it's they're trying to get bigger they want to turn into an upper midwest gen con I think. Oh. But I think okay. they're just, I don't know, they're, I think they're growing faster than they ought to. But, you know, I don't, they didn't come and talk to me. <laughs> um, Maybe they should. Well, and you know, and the, my friend that's going is kind of, um, he's a sort of a collaborator with the owner. And he said, I tried to get him to move it back to the hotel, but he just wouldn't do it. So he he wants to have that the downtown Grand Rapids venue, and I we don't really know why, but I I wish he'd he'd you know let off the clutch a little bit, or or push in the yes, clutch I guess. I, I guess maybe it's it's just getting more people in, yeah, or at least the chance to maybe. get more people in, more exposure. I could see that. Look, famous, and sometimes it doesn't happen. Famously, in Geekery in Mississippi, mm-hmm. about 10, 15 years ago, there was a Star Trek convention here in uh, in Mississippi in our in our Coliseum, and it it was loaded with stars. And I'm gonna try to find a link to it or at least the guest list or whatever uh, to post in the show notes. But I, this has just been legend that's been passed down from geek to geek. So this this show was loaded with stars. I'm talking literally everybody but like Patrick Stewart and Captain Kirk. But they had like everybody else. And um nobody came to it. Oh. No one came. For whatever reason, no one came. Like literally like 200 people attended. 
and I've over the years actually gotten to talk to a, a couple of people that actually attended, and they were like, it was fantastic because you had all these people that literally had nothing else to do but to take pictures and sign autographs with you because <laughs> no one else was there. Hey, LeVar Burton, you want to go grab a beer? Yeah. That'd be great. So, uh, it was just this huge failure. So this guy like created a company, took out loans, whatever he did, spent his inheritance, and failed. So that happens, you know? Yeah, that stings. So, uh, moving on. Oh, you played, no, wait, you played Twilight Imperium 4, or no, you want to play it? There. I want to, at, yeah, at Grand Con. Yes. So. Kill eight hours right yep, there. Yep, that's what the, the event is blocked out for, is eight hours. Nine to five. Man. I'm talking about doing it locally, but eh, with my ADD, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can. Yeah. My last Maybe... game my last game was four players, and we were done in five hours. So if you don't go the full six players, it, it does go quicker. All right. I, I have, like, two other people that are interested that are like, you just named the Saturday. We, we'll do it. We'll absolutely do it. I've never played and with so, three. So I don't know. So moving on to news, the first thing we had was WizKids releases Star Trek Galactic Enterprises, where you take on the role of a trader on Deep Space Nine and trying to get the best deals for your trades. Just remember, follow the rules of acquisition. So this game is actually available now. Uh, I found it uh, fascinating that 3 to 8 Ferengi will buy and sell their wares, trying to monopolize a particular item for greater profit. So to me, it kind of, gameplay-wise, doesn't sound like anything that we haven't heard of. Yeah, I've played a game like this before. But, you know, it's just skinned in that whole Star Trek thing. So, you know, you just got to keep cranking these licensed games out, see what sticks to the wall, make a little money, I guess, and, uh, yeah. So, um... The next thing I had was Troika, exclamation point, RPG Numinous Edition. And this is a Kickstarter. Let's see how well they're doing as of... It's funded. It is is done. It is funded. Oh, yeah. And uh, they needed... uh, They got 17... Almost 18,000 pounds to bring this to uh to life yeah and this is actually apparently about to be released i just thought it was kind of cool because it is kind of like 80s british rpgs and i'm kind of really dig that whole vibe for these things and the artwork on it is fantastic very very colorful kind of reminds me of dungeon degenerates which we talked about before um not (laughs) quite as acid trippy but um, it, it, yeah, the artwork is great. And what I thought was cool about this is they actually have a free artless edition that you can download on DriveThruRPG if you just want to see what the actual game is. Wow, so it's like the entire rules and everything. Yeah, so it looks nice. interesting to me. Yeah, you it, it is does remind me of Dungeon Degenerates, but it is a different color palette. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's more pastels. Now, uh, as much as I bitch about shipping, their uh, predicted postage prices were three pounds. Okay, oh, sorry. That's the United Kingdom. Eight pounds for international shipping for just one fat book. So that's pretty reasonable, in my opinion. 
It's just when you say that and then you hit me with like um, 30 pounds is when we yeah have a problem. Anyway. Rich, I'm assuming you put uh, Between Two Castles on here? <laughs> yeah, I saw this, and, you know, it's a Jamie Stegmeyer game. We've talked to him, and I follow him on Twitter, and he tweeted this out, and I was just looking at it thinking, this is why this guy's a game designer, because he thinks of these weird things that, I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't know how this came about, um, if this was just like a homebrew thing or whatever, but, you know, he's basically taken a couple other games and combined them into a new game. Have you guys played Castles of Mad King Ludwig before? I've played Palaces of Mad King Ludwig. Yeah, maybe I have not. Maybe that's the one. I don't know if there's two different games, but Palaces there, there the one the one where you get the pieces and you put them together and you try not to have any holes in your walls and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, apparently he took this and sort of I think he's turning it sort of into almost like a dexterity game, um, competitive. It it looks really interesting to me. So and well, I just a, Stonemaier has uh, between two cities, which right. I have a copy of. Yeah. So I haven't played that one either, but yes, that is another one of his games, and I think he's kind of combining the two. Okay. Yeah. It seems like I've seen this at the in my game store. But, it might uh, out, be out now. No, this one's still for pre-order. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's right. Castles, which has a very similar cover. Ah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, all right. Yeah, he just tweeted this out. I thought it looked interesting. Um, honestly, I'm not even sure that this is one that I would want to get, although I'd probably play it if someone busted it out. Um, it just looked interesting to me, so I thought I'd throw it out there. The next thing we had was Plaid Hat Games post a new Gen 7 preview. And this is just one of the science fiction tropes I really, really dig, and that is the colony ship. I especially like the trope of where, like, they... Something happens, and hundreds of years go by, and they forget they're even on a ship. (laughs) Or something like that. They forget where they come from, or where they're going, and yeah. So, this is about... um, a group of says the colony ship in which Gen Seven takes place has reached the middle of a voyage planned to last thirteen generations. It's at this point the voy- in the voyage when crew morale will be especially fragile. No one on board knew the Earth, and no one on board will live to see their new home. So that's kind of neat. Said the game you take on the roles of the uh, commanders of the ship, and you will be confronted by a mystery that will threaten them in ways no one could expected. The game presents players with challenges and palm ringing choices. Those are my favorite types. Palm of ringing, <laughs> not palm not hand ringing, but palm ringing. Palm ringing. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Maybe you actually just reach over and I'm trying to do it right now. You just squeeze it. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, just because this this hits that particular um, trope that uh, I'm I'm into. You know, it's it's a cooperative campaign game. It's supposed to go over a seven episodes with new game rules and components will be discovered with special unlocked elements determined by player choices. So, yeah. It's it's neat. It, it just sounds really neat. And, um, yeah. I'm, uh, it's designed by Steve Nix. Whoever that is. Stevie Nix. Yeah, Stevie Nix. He looks <laughs> like my friend Brian. I don't know. You can follow him on Twitter at Design. <laughs> So yeah, it's just it hits that trope that I dig, so I've tossed it on here. 
And, um, yeah, is that it? Does that bring us to the end? I think we've arrived. Oh, Let's see. Grand, man, you got to make a choice about Grand Con. That's I this do. weekend. Yeah. Uh, I probably won't go Friday. I might go Saturday. We'll see. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, so it's, cl- it's close enough to you could at least go for one day, right? Yes. Yeah, it's only about 45 right. minutes for me. Right. So, yep. Uh, you, if people want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Roy Toy Cowboy, and I will follow you back. I definitely want to see lots of pictures if you go, because I think that'll be really neat. I always dig that, because you guys get to go to these cool conventions and gaming and whatnot. I won't get to mine, uh, my first real board gaming convention until, I think, November, when I go to uh, Board Game Geek Con. So, uh-huh. I'm excited. Yeah, and the more I think about it, the more I want to go to ConSim World next year in San Diego. Oh, That yeah. sounds we, like that's right up all... my alley. <laughs> We all want to go to Con <laughs> World. Plus, it's in San Diego, and so. Uh, yeah. So I don't fly though, and that's San Diego's a long drive from oof. here. <laughs> so come November, I'm gonna start leaning on you guys to go to Dice Tower Con. I think that's when uh, tickets release for them. Really? And that's yeah. in, that's in Orlando. Yep. Right. See, Over... That's a real possibility for me. Beginning of that? July. July. That might yeah. work for me. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a real... Yeah, that's possible. My brother lives there, and yeah, it's possible. Hmm. Okay. All right. Let's see. Sandy, San Diego, California will take me 26 hours to drive there. <laughs> yeah, 26 hours to drive there from my house. Uh, it's 1,771 miles. Good to know it notes here that my destination is in a different time zone. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, we did a podcast. I'm proud of us. You know, scheduling has become a whole thing. But you know what? It's we, we get there. We get there. You know, it's not super serious. We don't have sponsors or anything that are yelling at us. Hey, if you would like to yell at us as a fan, you can do uh, just drop us an email. Chanceofgaming at gmail.com. And I tell you what, send me an email if you are interested in winning a dice bag. And I'll just choose two people, and there you go. We got over 500 followers on Twitter. I'm excited. I'm going to send it to you. And, uh, yeah, just get a little merch, a little merch going there. Have a nice little dice bag. And, uh, yeah. All right. So I guess that wraps us up, and we'll see you guys next time. Good night, everybody. Mark Marin, we're coming for you.